Welcome to the Stars Singer Podcast. I'm your host, Tiffany Van Boxtel, and I specialize in the art and science of vocal performance, helping singers just like you to give amazing performances so that you can feel comfortable, confident, and in total control of your voice every time that you walk on and off stage. This podcast is here to help you on your journey to becoming a star singer. So let's push play on this episode. Have you ever really gotten caught up in all of the technical and proprietary jargon when it comes to singing? Is all of the science stuff like really overwhelming? What does support with the diaphragm actually mean? I know that you have these questions and so today you, I'm hoping that you are going to geek out with me with Voice Science Works because we are going to talk about all of the things. We're going to talk about going back to the sound instead of word choice in order to describe what's going on in the voice. I believe so firmly that knowledge, everyone is seeking knowledge when it comes to singing. So you're watching YouTube videos, you're watching different instructors, you're reading, you're soaking in all of this knowledge. But a lot of singing and a lot of what you know about singing and how you're really going to get better is to actually experience it, try it out, and evaluate it from there. Evaluate it how it feels. Evaluate it how it sounds. So we're also going to be talking about letting our senses speak to us and inform us instead of trying to describe what's going on with language. We're going to talk all about vocal acoustics and why you should care. Considering evaluating your voice in a different way and then just does it sound good and playing with the sound. We're going to talk about filtering out or bringing out different harmonics in the voice. This is super cool, super sciencey, and there's different levels to the voice. I mean, it's really cool. It's really cool. Harmonics and vowels. We're going to talk also about how your body responds to acoustic feedback to help you to sing better. So our guest today is Voice Science Works. So we're talking with Laurel Irene and David Harris. Voice Science Works is a revolutionary educational organization committed to taking contemporary research on the voice and translating it directly into applicable information so that all voice users can immediately apply it in practice. Through their free and accessible website, learning resources, and workshops, information becomes easy and friendly to all voice users who wish to deepen their understanding and empower their learning process. Laurel, Irene, and David Harris have presented at universities and institutions across the United States. Big names, and they believe that brilliant minds have been working through complex biomechanics, physics, acoustics, and neurology, the neurology of phonation for decades, helping us to better understand what actually happens when we speak and sing. And Voice Science Works takes all of that and filters it into something simple and applicable for you to understand. So I am so excited about our conversation today. Please enjoy. All right, I'm here with Laura. 
Lauren, Laurel and David, and we are talking about awakening the ear and the voice through vocal acoustics. So it's going to be super awesome. Would you mind telling us a little bit about yourselves and how you help singers? Absolutely. Well, yeah, thanks so much for having us. We're coming in from LA this morning and um, David and I are the co-creators of an organization called Voice Science Works. And so we've been, um, yeah, trying to help singers and the voice community for the last five years just through providing free online resources on our website, um, different articles and videos and just kind of a hub of information and research, hopefully translated in a way that is applicable and a little more bite-sized than some of the more, you know, raw primary sources out there. And in our daily lives, we use the information that we research. We like to say that we do it primarily first for us and then <laughs> we share it with other people once we're excited about something. So, um, you know, I direct choirs. So every rehearsal we are using this information and um, that, that element, Laurel sings in the choirs that I direct often. So we go back and forth a lot and play with um, that element of our work has led to a lot of the application um, and the kind of quick and direct use of this heady science stuff. But also, um, we've both taught plenty of voice lessons in our lives, and that's been a really active um, workshop with singers one-on-one, uh, -on -one, and it's helped us create other opportunities um, like our online crash course workshops. And then we now have a, a what we call a listen-up package, which is a two-week intensive where we work with a person's voice and we can talk about that more later. But so we've kind of come at um, this very new, very uh, rich body of uh, research from ways that help people connect to it really quickly. That's awesome. Yeah, there's a lot of um, propagated terminology out there mm -hmm. between, you know, even very reputable vocal instructors mm -hmm. and it can get very confusing if you're not sure what exactly is going on. So I'm very excited to kind of strip it down to mm -hmm. a more scientific base so that we can really figure out what it is that we're actually talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that, that language, you know, what you just said, you know, the words that we use so deeply inform the sounds that we make and, um, people will go to wars over their words um, and, you know, and, and hold on to them because they become so personal. Yeah. Um, Laurel actually has um, done several presentations on the use of language and, and the ways in which language has been brought into the voice world. And if you want to say something about that. Yeah. Um, it's, yes, a topic we love to talk about a lot. Just, yeah, as David said, it's becomes really personal. It becomes very much about your identity. And I think we often get lost in the word instead of, as you're saying, what is actually there? And what is actually there is sound. So a lot of the work we've done is kind of going back to the sound and deepening into that instead of deepening into a word choice and then having to come up with 10 more words to like create subcategories of that word. <laughs> um, let's just go back to the original thing and see how often we can just skip some of these descriptors and just listen in a new way, in a deeper way, and let that inform our process. Because um, sound is ultimately going to speak better to sound than words are going to speak 
to a sound. Yeah, but from a neurological perspective, language becomes this thing that um, triggers the kind of short circuit uh, end around that our brain does all the time. So our brain is profoundly efficient and wants to get to answers quickly. And so we'll use a term um, to get to somewhere and then it becomes the only thing we can think about and it becomes the stand-in for everything and, mm -hmm. um, and, and takes us away from you know, our sensory input um, and we start to just occupy, our conscious mind starts to occupy just that word and everything we've attached to it rather than letting our senses speak to us. Yeah. So we, we, as a, we don't eliminate language, language is essential to us, but we uh, learn to guide our language choices based on um, the rainbow of opportunities that our voice and our ears have rather than the black and white that language tends to provide. And then we let that, our sensory response inform the terms that we use. And if that means we let a word go, we let a word go. And if it means we use a word with more robust um, engagement, then that's exciting too. Yeah, and I think it kind of comes from this way that we usually learn things. You know, we're usually in school and we are lectured at. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, after we receive the information, we might try something like we might mm -hmm. experience it a little, we might yeah. move, we might hear, but it always seems like this kind of knowledge has to come first. And mm -hmm. so I'm excited today because I think we could encourage people maybe to look at it from like, let's just experience it first mm -hmm. before we even try to talk about yeah. it. Yeah. 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 And then let's experience it second and third too. <laughs> <laughs> and talk about it as a way to kind of you know, relate the experience you know, stop replace, it, yeah. you know, replace, yeah. Yeah, so vocal acoustics, I don't know if this is where you want to go, but while we're singing, mm -hmm. you know, we get feedback to evaluate ourselves about how we're doing, how it feels, how it sounds, and how does acoustics, either in the environment around us or inside of our own bodies, affect that information? Yeah. <laughs> the answer is yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'll I'll give a short intro and then let Laurel <laughs> think about how to get into that. Um, yeah, our, there, there's a researcher from the 20th century called uh, um, Tomatis. That's his last name, and he was an ENT. He was a psychologist. He did a lot of research on the ear and the voice, um, kind of adjunctly. And one of the things he promoted in, as early as the 1960s is that uh, the ear is the first muscle of the voice and that the, um, if, when the ear can focus in on certain parts of sound, um, the voice will be changed and will be changed long-term if we propagate that sound specifically. And when you consider that all of, every time you make a sound, you know, we focus so much on the fundamental frequency or the, the pitch that we hear. But every time we make a sound, there are lots and lots of frequencies involved. They're called harmonics. And, um, you know, any one sound has hundreds of them in, in it. And depending on where your fundamental frequency is or the pitch you're singing, um, depends on how many of those harmonics occupy a kind of functional listening range. Mm -hmm. And so when we when we work with the voice, we immediately introduce people to what those harmonics look and sound like. When we say, look, we use software to show them. And then um, we start to 
showed them how, depending on where those harmonics sit in their, um, in relationship to their voice, to their vocal tract, which is the mouth and the throat, depending on how the harmonics relate to the vocal tract, makes our sound. That is what we have. Yeah. Um, how our resonator adjusts and, and manages our harmonics is this wealth of opportunity. And like you're saying, we can access it all by experience and we don't really have to talk so much about it. Although we have come up with terminology to help guide people to kind of how they're listening. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, even just the term vocal acoustics, yeah, I think a lot of times we think of like, oh, the acoustics in this room or um, it feels like something outside of ourselves. And I think for us, I kind of define it like acoustics is like the net result of every possible system that goes into sound making. So, you know, often voice teachers will talk about, well, there's the breath and the power source and there's the vocal folds, the oscillator, the resonator, articulators, you know, there's these different systems. Um, to me, acoustics is the end of that equation. What happened, all those things went into creating um, a signature, a unique color that is your voice, harmonics, where some are louder than others and some are softer than others. And that's what the package ended up being. Um, so to me, it's less of like a, acoustics is less of like a subcategory and more of um, the thing, it is the sound <laughs> that we're working with. That's what we end up processing. And from that, then we can go back in and dissect into those other subcategories. And to kind of, that was a lot of science real fast, but <laughs> to wrap that in a bow, you know, in addition to what Laurel's saying that what we have is sound. So acoustics is the story. Um, we've noticed in, in our field, a lot of people, um, traditional vocal instruction focuses on what you're doing wrong in very specific ways. That pitch is flat. Um, you're too high. That's the wrong color. Um, no, do this, move your tongue forward, raise the larynx, these kinds of things. And all of that is based in, you know, assessment, which is what we have at our disposal. Um, but we've, we've moved away from even like focusing on body manipulation, you know, drop your jaw, move the tongue, this kind of thing. Um, because all of that language um, has a judgment capacity in it, or um, is judgmental by nature, which is engaging a part of the brain that is uh, anti-experiential, if you will, it's, it's shutting us down. So um, the other reason, in addition to the fact that acoustics is what we have, um, when we allow ourselves to talk acoustics and to focus on the acoustics, um, we move away from the judgment of body manipulation and pitch uh, correction and color change and these kinds of things. And through the acoustic experience, we change the pitch, we change the color, we, the body moves. The jaw does drop. <laughs> the jaw does drop because when, when the ear tells the voice it wants to bring out a certain acoustic element, then the body responds. And that's a really exciting avenue that we've found. Um, it just changes the conversation entirely. Wow. Okay, I could go in like 10 different directions. <laughs> I'm going to have to choose one. Um, ah, okay. So can we go back to harmonics? Because I heard something in, please correct me if I'm wrong, because it has been forever. I heard something in college to the, to the uh, thought of like the, the fundamental frequency. Like if there are no 
harmonics, if there are no overtones, it's just going to sound bland, like almost like a duck call or like, like just very like, and it's those harmonics that really bring out the timbre. Is that even on track or can you explain the science a little bit behind that? Yeah, so maybe, I'm, I'm thinking maybe you actually saw a demonstration where someone used a duck call and then maybe put it <laughs> through a resonator. Sometimes people use that as a, um, uh, as a model to talk about what the vocal folds do and then what the vocal track does. Um, I mean, a sound without harmonics sounds like a sound, a sine wave. So it sounds almost like a computer, like, like a very generated. Yeah. Sound. And our voice can, our, our voice can filter out our harmonics and focus just on one. We do have that capacity. Lolo just did it. You, mm -hmm. that is a sine wave, more or less. The harmonics are still there, but she, with her vocal track and her vocal folds, filtered out just the one harmonic. So that you were, uh, you paid, your ear paid only attention to that one. The others weren't influencing the sound you hear, and it's a specific color. Yeah, and it's a color that's not unusual. It's it's used often in in certain styles, like choral singing. But but maybe what you were getting at is the idea that the vocal folds by themselves, if we just had little flaps of tissue that vibrated together, that would be a very quote unquote boring sound to us. That would sound maybe like a, the duck call or just like a buzz. Mm -hmm. um, and it's or, or more like like a buzz. Like, oh, okay. yeah. So a duck call is actually harmonically rich. It's just that all the harmonics tend to be about the same intensity. Mm -hmm. so white noise like a fan. And, and so that's, you know, if we think about a, a wide of range of harmonics that are all the same volume, what your ear is hearing is just a wash. The, the vocal tract, so this, you know, container of air, our throat and our mouths above that buzz that brings some out over other ones. So the, the visual metaphor is like that it's a prism. So you send every color through and if you mix every color together, it's actually not very pretty. We get like a brown mush. <laughs> but when you send that through like this filter, this prism, a couple pop out at once. And that's what our vocal tract is able to do. It's able to bring out, ooh, the third and the fourth, or just the 10th and the 11th. And then we get colors, we get vowels, we get um, what we know is our voice. So oh, awesome. By way of example, I'll sing three note, three different, um, I'll sing the same note three different ways. <laughs> and I'll do, the first one will be very harmonically rich. So I'll try and balance as many of my harmonics as I can at a fairly even volume. And the second one, I'll focus in on certain harmonics. So there'll be gaps and there'll be focuses. So some will pop out, some will disappear. And then the last one, I'll uh, wipe out all the upper harmonics and just focus on one. So you'll hear harmonically rich, um, gaps and boosts, and then all in one. <clears throat> so like this. How cool. When super harmonically rich, you might even call it stylistically like more in a pop world, has gaps and boosts, you might call it more in a classical world, and then the last one was what we what Laurel did before, kind of a sine wave. Um, yeah. Want to rewind and listen to that again. I mean, in that, all of those sounds are sounds that we normally would hear in, um, in different styles of singing, and each has a diff very different harmonic signature, which is why they sound like different styles. Yeah. And it's all on the same frequency. So, I mean, you're singing it right on the same frequency, very different. Mm -hmm. So we talked about different ways to experience, or we kind of 
glazed over, uh, different ways to experience, you know, this and getting to, um, I have a very little experience in like prefonditory tuning through vowels, mm -hmm. but you guys also kind of talked about elements, like, and how does that work? Is that like adjectives, like descriptive words, mm -hmm. or how, how are you getting those tone colors? Yeah, talk a little about the timbre. Um, yeah, so, um, let you know I don't. But yeah, as I like, as far as you're talking about like bringing the different descriptors we can use to create different tone colors. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like from a very performance-based aesthetic versus mm -hmm. like the vowel, like vocal track stuff, which seems a little like more technical. Yeah. Um, I think, and I think they can all exist it's kind of just mm -hmm. like what mm -hmm. um where do you where do you start from so for right. me i mean the analyzer is a huge tool that we use um just to give people a visual and like a specific sound example so with an overtone analyzer like what you need to i'm gonna get it because i think it'll be useful so is that like an oscillator um so so Voce vista is um like an overtone reader. Any any sound that you put in the air, uh, Voce Vista will show you all the harmonics that are present. Cool. He's about to pull it out and... You'll be able to see it, but everybody else will be able to hear what we're doing. Yeah. Awesome. Um, is it, so could you like pick out your voice like a footprint or a fingerprint almost? Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Every sound um, has, and right wow. now we have a visual of it. We're seeing these pretty lines running across the screen. Um, and each line represents an overtone or a harmonic in our sound. Some are stronger than others. If my pitch goes up, they all go up. If my pitch goes down, they all go down. Um, and if I, as David demonstrated earlier, if I change what we think of as the color or the timbre of my voice, um, ah, oh, ah, oh, those are all different colors. And I end up seeing different harmonics popping out. Yeah some stronger than others, depending on what the color of the sound was. So if I were to sing, <clears throat> just a nice sustained ah, as you can see, everyone else, um, you can see this on our website too. There are plenty of pictures of Voce Vista if you want to wow. see what we're looking at. Now the cool thing about Voce Vista is it's got a filter function. And so, um, just to give a thumbnail, and we'll use the filter to show this, um, what we talk about are how these different regions of information influence our sound. Yeah. Because each of these, this is going to get really complex, but I'll, I'll just say it as simple as possible. Um, all of these lines come from the vocal folds. The vocal folds are creating all those lines, oh, all the harmonics. They're all waves in the air. They're all waves in the air propagated by the vocal folds. Um, you see, uh, and, and anybody wants to go on our website and find a picture of Voce Vista, you'll see this too. Certain of them are darker than others. Okay. And that's because the vocal tract, which is the mouth and the throat, creates energy boosts. And this is one of the hardest things to get your head around, but um, there are lots of energy boosts that our vocal tract creates and they align with these harmonics and how they align with them um, is what gives us timbre or vocal color or sound color, however you want to call it. So or resonance. Resonance, yeah. yeah. The color of the sound is based on these energy boosts. So for example, and we'll play this so everybody can hear it, I'm going to filter just the bottom harmonic. So you can see that. 
Give me one second for a little technical adjustment. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> you click command. Mm -hmm. So now I've filtered just the bottom harmonic and I'm going to play it back. This is the fun pandemic, the fundamental frequency. Oh, so that's that sign, like that sine wave we were talking uh -huh. about. Exactly. Yeah. That's, what, that's what we were doing before with the sine wave. You notice how much quieter it is than what I sang. One part of the sound. Now if I were to filter these middle ones here, so I've filtered four now, and this is the area where there's more intensity. So my vocal tract has chosen to boost this part of the sound. And notice that that sounds like the ah mm -hmm. that I sang. That's because it's these particular harmonics that create the ah. That ah sound that we hear comes from these harmonics and it doesn't exist anywhere else. So when we talk about vowel, we're actually talking about specific harmonics that sound like vowels. And the vocal tract brings them out and that's what creates vowel. It's a really cool concept <laughs> called absolute timbre. Um, but the point is, Specific harmonics sound like certain vowels, and when the vocal tract chooses to bring those harmonics out, we hear that vowel. So let's hear this sound without those harmonics. So yeah, I'll play it with these harmonics, and then I'll get rid of them, and you'll notice the difference. You can see the all went away when we got rid of those harmonics. Um, and that's a, a really fun demo, especially with this. And, and it starts to make you think, okay, well, so I've got these energy boosts and I want to bring out a certain vowel shape or, or sound. Um, I've got actually a pretty wide range of harmonics to play with. So the idea of vowel modification, or as you mentioned, prefrontatory tuning means um, using the vocal tract in specific ways that maximize on the sound you want to make and allow for the vowel color to be shaped in any number of ways. Because all we have to do is hit a number of these harmonics to create the ah sound. And we actually have quite a bit of flexibility there. So it starts to open the ear. One other one I'll show you is um, this range up here. I'm gonna slide my slider up a little bit. And this is what we call the twang region. And you'll notice I moved up um, this, there's a, Think of this on our website too. But this little area sounds like this. How would you describe that? Annoying. <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. yeah. 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 Annoying, crickety, birdie. Very. Yeah. Forward, pingy, you know. See, you get that idea of something in the, the face, the like, yeah. whatever. And this region is really critical for um, how people hear us. And, um, and we actually teach people to promote that sound in their ear because it also creates stability across the vocal mechanism. Yeah, so a lot right there. And that we'll, we'll, we'll hear from our listeners if, without the visual if any of that lands. <laughs> the visual is definitely a big help. Um, but just this idea that, you know, there's all those different harmonics in our sound. We can promote different ones with our vocal tract, which influences the vowel, the color, the style. And when our ear gets to hear those regions by themselves, and we just hear like 
oh, you know, when someone says, I'll oh, make that sound ring more, no, a little more twang, make it bite, make it carry. What they're talking about is, oh, that region of my sound, which sounded maybe annoying or crickety or riggy to me, um, by letting the ear identify those regions on their own, we're able to guide our sound in those directions. Um, and actually, like you're saying, like we said earlier, like just know what, what it is we're talking about. What do you mean when you say, make it, you know, come out the front of your face like a laser beam? Like, <laughs> oh, you're talking about that sensation I get when I bring out this region. Like, oh, well, it's okay, like that sound make... that we just heard. Like, it's very like a laser beam. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like, as you're talking, you're probably like, why is she making like funny faces? I'm like, kind of like almost physicalizing it. Like, already. Yeah. I'm like, I can kind of like, I'm like feeling where that sound might be or how to adjust Absolutely. that zone. Yeah. Because you're so used to the sensation of that, of the acoustic feedback that your body gets because your body vibrates with the sound. It doesn't, doesn't, your nose and your eyes don't play a role in making the sound, but they do respond to it because we're creating so much acoustic power at our vocal folds that it makes your whole body vibrate, <laughs> even though only the vocal tract is really useful in um, doing anything with the sound. You feel it all over. Um, we can tap into those, yeah. yeah. And, you know, the um, a lot of people, especially people who uh, we work with who sing pop music, um, will say once we start playing with this sound range, they'll say, you know, I was told as a kid not to sound like XYZ, Britney Spears or whiny or whatever. Nasal, right? yeah. And they'll say, you know, I've been spending my, you know, life as a singer trying to avoid that sound. And then once they start to allow themselves to hear it and, and work with it, they notice how much that sound brings to their experience, the stability, the carry, the ease, um, because all the parts of our sound are important to us. And one of the things that Laurel and I um, work really hard to help people do is to acknowledge what those sounds are, how our bodies relate to them, how our ears relate to them, and how we can um, consciously and unconsciously work with them to create the different colors that we want to create. Because our voice is phenomenally capable. And we can do versatile, so many yeah. things. Versatile, yeah. And so if you want to make a sound if you've heard somebody do it you can do that just what do you have to work with to make that happen yeah it's very cool and almost from a like a more a little bit more practical standpoint it's almost like you can experiment with these things physically um you can kind of Oh, it kind of goes like into the inner ear thing where you like imagine a sound, you like place it in your body, you kind of open up, you could kind of like manipulate mm -hmm. that. I don't like the word manipulate, but you can kind of like contort the space and change the shape a little like blah, blah, like very. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, even before you make sound. And that's actually neurologically speaking. Um, well, it's super beneficial to... Yeah. Um, Mm. to have your brain like dry practice I think is an amazing tool like you're if you think through the pitches and you think through the emotion and being on stage and um hearing the sound but not making it I mean that is practice you're training your brain like singing is brain coordination so if you're coordinating your brain but not actually going through every step but the actual you know sound itself um uh, there's huge benefit in that. And there's significant yeah. research to support that, um, wow. that claim. And the, the other thing is that the, your 
ear, when the mechanical parts of the ear connect to the electrical parts of the brain, um, there's actually, um, the brain has enormous amount of influence over what you hear and what sounds your body lets in, um, which is really crazy too. So as you're talking about setting up your ear to hear, uh, that you actually are setting up not only your ear, but your voice to create the sounds that you're interested in. And the brain has enormous influence over that. So that prefrontal yeah. is, yeah, very helpful. Well, and I love the I idea of almost like the intention of the brain, like mm -hmm. almost like tuning the brain before you start because it gives you so much confidence instead of like, oh my gosh, am I going to be able to sing that high note the way that I want okay. to? It's going to be, okay, I want that high note to sound mm -hmm. more pingy. I want it to be more bright. I know it needs mm -hmm. to like resonate here yeah. instead of like all of this, oh my gosh, I hope I get the frequency right. Yeah. Because yeah. it's so much more than that. It's like the frequency, like it's like stacks upon stacks of like yeah. sound. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you could be singing exactly the, you know, the 250 hertz that's written down and because of the way you're choosing to bring out certain harmonics um it might sound sharp or flat or whatever so a huge part of our perception is which of those harmonics are we boosting more and one of the things the reason we developed uh this two-week intensive is because we've you know what you're saying about all the language um people who have studied their voice have a lot of um baggage and understanding about the the way that their voice works and the, the um i say baggage that may have sounded severe but they have a relationship with certain language and that language is a, a wall in between their capacity to hear new things and therefore for their brain to change so yeah. this two-week intensive takes these different regions of harmonics we use their voice and a recording of them and we filter their voice for them and kind of guide them through each day hearing another part of their sound and how that influences how they feel about their voice the sounds their voice can make etc so by the end of the two weeks they've started to develop uh, a, an unconscious understanding of all the parts of their sound and ways of consciously naming them so it, it's been a really exciting and and we do two weeks because it just takes that long for people to kind of settle into okay these are new sounds for me um, and this is my, this is actually my voice. I just haven't known that it was there the whole time. <laughs> That's very cool. How, how many harmonic regions roughly does the human voice potentially possess? Um, Tell them how well, you name them. Yeah, just how you name them. <laughs> I mean, we, the, depending on, so the lower you sing, the mm -hmm. more harmonics you have because the harmonics are this, this mathematical relationship with your frequency. So, if you start at 100, your next one is at 200, and then 300 and 400. And so that's like a very low, what, 100 hertz is like a low, Small. way down there. Mm -hmm. If you start at 1,000, way up here, like a high C, your next one's at 2,000 and 3,000. And so they're way more spaced out. And human hearing stops at 20,000 hertz. Yeah, so then we're, you know, at 20,000, after 20,000, we're not as interested. Um, but um, <laughs> as far as regions, um, I mean, we're kind of basing it off of what can the vocal tract boost. Our vocal tract is our resonator. So it's going to resound or bring out um, parts of the sound. And there's um, the boosts that it's capable of. There's, you know, there's a, 
there's this, the first one, this one big low one that we call, um, some people call the first formant. Um, mm -hmm. We're calling it the undervowel region. There's the second one, often called the second formant that we call the vowel clarity region. Mm -hmm. um, there's upper ones that we played for you that sound like that twang area we call the twang region. Often they're called um, that the singer. Oh, spoke. that is so cool. Yeah, because and it's like the vowel yeah. is like like. Um, so when you're like, oh, okay, I want to focus on this vowel region, like, okay, I want to make sure the precision of the vowel is really good. But if I'm mm -hmm. focusing on this higher region, I'm going to think a little more aesthetically, like describing it with, that is so cool. I'm yeah. sorry. I was just like, no, whoa, yeah. that's amazing. <laughs> it's a really cool realization to go, oh, like, I don't have to pick one thing. My sound is complex. There's tons of harmonics in it. So I don't have to choose always between well, I want the sound to be really um, dark and beautiful and um, like hooty, but I also really want to hear the vowel. Which one do I pick? Oh, I can have both because there's two different energy boosts and they're both going to do a different thing to the sound. I'm going to create the beauty and the darkness and the warmth and make the vowel heard. Or I really want it to feel like um, low and deep and smoky, but I want it to also ring and be clear. Mm. Oh, I can have both because the sound has all those different parts. So that's one thing when we talk about, you know, finding new language, it's about realizing we have choices. You can, like we say, you can have it all. You can have, you know, dark and bright because they're both in the sound at the same, at the exact same moment. Um, so, uh, realizing that sound is both and, and not either, or it's not this one thing. It is, an array of different options. Yeah, and there's freedom in that. Absolutely. That, like, it has to be this way because that, that judgment of if we're a good musician or not because, you know, we're singing in a certain way. Well, it's like, no, I chose to sing that way. Like, yeah. this is how I'm choosing to sing and I'm going to take mm -hmm. full responsibility for it. <laughs> <laughs> Ownership, yes. Yeah. Take it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that, that's just amazing. And it's so cool. So did you guys create the software would work with someone who no, did no, or not at all um it's yeah it's the software is s-y-g-y-t sigit bochevista um i think developed in partnership by don miller and um, bodamas and um i mean yeah wow. i think there's several different sectogram you know analysis softwares out there but the the visual of this one that has the piano keyboard and the staff um and this ability to filter so specifically is what we really like about this one and what we use in the courses that we awesome. So and one it, of your specialties is to analyze that into a practical way, like how yeah. singers can analyze their sounds and change it. Exactly. And then, <laughs> yeah. and then teaching the ear to, to respond to it, teaching the ear to hear it, teaching the body to respond to it, and then teaching the singer how to um, kind of acknowledge and utilize that information when they don't have the software in their mm -hmm. ear. So it's, you know, and, and we have lots of games and experiences to used to create um, entryways into these harmonics, harmonic regions without the software too. So it's, you know, it's a constant mind-body game. Um, and it's super exciting. That is really cool. Wow. I feel like I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> <laughs> it's a huge topic. Yeah. And it's, you know, the, the excitement like we're experiencing is because all of a sudden we're thinking creatively, our, our 
judgment minds are, are less loud. We're just saying, wow, there are all these options. What if I did this? What if I did that? Ooh, let me try this. Yeah, my voice can do that. What if I, and that's where we like to encourage people into spaces where they can occupy that creative place mm-hmm. rather than, as you mentioned, feeling like you're beat down with, I'm not good enough. I can't sound like such and such singer, you know, the workhorse mentality of I've just got it. I got to put in the reps because then my voice will work. I've got to mm-hmm. sing that scale one more time. You know, that's all kind of thinking hard rather than thinking smart and yeah. it's, it's relying on the conscious judgment mind to tell us exactly what to do rather than letting the very complicated system of the voice be guided by itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. And like you said, just doing reps for the sake of reps isn't going to help anyone. But if you're like, okay, I'm going to try, you know, a different like aesthetic here, or I'm going to try a different vowel shape here and see mm-hmm. how, how that affects everything. I mean, mm-hmm. like conscious practice. If you're not going to practice consciously, you might as well not mm-hmm. at all. <laughs> awesome. Well, it's been so great to have you both here and where can we find you and learn more about you and what you're doing? Anything yeah. exciting coming up? Thank you so much for yeah having us. And yeah, we are, um, our website is a great place to start, uh, voicescienceworks.org. Um, everything on the website is uh, amazing. And <laughs> yeah, and lots of, yeah, visuals we've created and just kind of ways to walk through this subject matter um, in just kind of a more fun, explorative way. Um, and yeah, through our newsletter where we, you know, show we uh, share different new things coming out on the website and a warm up of the week, um, fun little videos. And if you really want to dive into this stuff with us, we're going to be doing an online course um, for the month of November. It's called our crash course. And so we'll show you how to play with this software, um, go into more of the um, information behind it. And this idea of, you know, how do I create these listening exercises with this software to train my voice in this way? Um, and then our listen up package that David mentioned at the beginning is this one-on-one two-week experience we create. Um, you send us two songs you want to work on and we create two weeks of exercises for you based on your own voice. So you're listening to your own overtones and your own voice, but in a very targeted specific way that's guiding your ear towards the sounds you want to be making. So yeah, website, crash course, listen up. Um, or just shoot us an email. And next summer, we we just did a a really fun on-site week uh, festival, one-week festival, uh, where people came from around the world and played with this information um, in workshops and experiences. And then performances. we had composers among the group who were creating work based on this kind of what can the voice do idea. And then we performed a brand new work at the end of the week. So in lots of different styles, people from all different backgrounds, it was super fun. That's going to happen next summer. But if anybody wants an on-site experience, um, that's a cool one to prepare for. Awesome. I can't even, I can't even imagine like us, like an analysis of like a choir because one voice is so interesting. Like (laughs) the whole choir would be like blowing my mind. How can that be cool? Yeah. Yeah, you know, we all have a little choir inside of us. That's and right. We merge those choirs together to make a big choir. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. It's been super amazing. Thank yeah, you, thank you, Tiffany. And thanks yes. for all you're doing. And thank we look you. forward to hearing more. Thank you so much for choosing to hang out with me today. 
You are amazing for pursuing your dreams and becoming the star singer that you were meant to be. You can join the star singer movement by leaving a rating and review on iTunes or sharing this episode on IG stories. Leaving a rating and sharing this episode helps this podcast get seen by way more singers just like you. And that is creating a massive impact in one of the giant goals of this podcast, which is eliminating fear, anxiety, and non-productive competition from the music industry and helping to create a new music industry for singers based on collaboration, love, and making a difference and a real impact with your music.